Hey there, and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. This podcast is all about providing clarity, insight, and encouragement for life and mission. And my name's Aaron Santemeyer, and I'm going to be your host. Today, we have the phenomenal opportunity to have with us on the podcast, Katie Cole. Just enjoy spending time with her, her wisdom, her insight, um, her experience, and the, the joy and passion that she brings um, to what she what she's doing, and that's encouraging leaders. Uh, we we spend uh, some time talking about the idea of some changes she's seen in the leadership um, landscape in the last few years. She talks about some some changes she's seen for female leaders and minority leaders. Um, we talk about mental health and uh, creating access um, for coaching and counseling. And she does a phenomenal job of delineating the difference between the two. And maybe this might be a coaching situation, or maybe this is a counseling situation. Really appreciated that. We talk about knocking down barriers and and not overstep. Uh, we talk about how do we know the difference between leading and delegating and micromanaging. And she does a great job of just saying it's certain situations, maybe all of those would be would be necessary. And, and being able as leaders to look at the situation and decide what is needed in that um, specific uh, context and really valued that. We uh, talk a little bit about her assertiveness cheat sheet, which I'll put a link for that, um, how you can sign up for that in the, in the show notes. And that has been very valuable for me just to look at, ponder, consider how I can be assertive um, and not go towards um, being overpowering and not go um, towards being passive, but learning to be assertive and uh, really, really appreciated that. Talk about filtering information and changes she's seeing um, on the leadership landscape. I jumped right into the questions with this time with Katie. Um, I was excited about the interview. Didn't give much for the introduction. That's my fault. Um, but she is an author. She's a leader. Um, she's a well-known speaker. And um, I'll put the links for her books and in the show notes and then also the, that link for the Assertive News Cheat Sheet. And really, once again, really appreciated her being with us on the podcast. I do know the podcasts that I listen to are the ones I subscribe to. So I'd ask you to, to consider subscribing to this one and um, continue to send in your questions for Back Channel with Foth. That's where we sit down with Dick Foth and we get to learn from him. Well, there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. Greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to be here with a friend of the podcast, Katie Cole. Katie, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you, Aaron. It's really an honor to be here as always and great to see you again. Yes, it is an honor to have have you with us. Um, as I shared, your, your wisdom and insight has encouraged many and um, have received so much positive feedback um, for your time with us on the podcast and looking forward to spending some time with you today. Um, we, haven't, we haven't seen each other in a while. And so one of the questions I wanted to ask you just about is um, what have you seen change in the leadership landscape over the last few years? That's a great, uh, great question. I think uh, leading in today's day and age, especially leading in ministry is just a completely different animal than it was five years ago. Uh, the pandemic, I think uh, the economy, the sort of great resignation and the shifting of people, and then also the great resignation in our churches and in our even missions organizations, just hmm. the people we connected with and partnerships with us, uh, or the people we led before, it's just a new group of people. So most leaders know are kind of like, man, I sort of feel like at some level I'm starting over, hmm. you know, even felt like this would kind of be the season where I sort of had it locked and loaded. Uh, so I would say that's probably the biggest thing is just the shifting and uh, everyone's kind of at a ground zero, 
you know, mindset again. I think specifically for female leaders or minority leaders, um, there it's an interesting dynamic because uh, we have a lot more language and understanding around some of those dynamics. A lot more organizations are becoming a lot more aware of diversity needs. And yet at yeah. the same time, our cultures are pretty steeped in uh, practices and habits that go against that new vision. And so um, so that's created some great opportunities for female leaders. It's also created a lot of head scratching, what am I doing moments um, for female leaders. Uh, so, you know, everything's a little in flux and that's just a unique and exciting, but also, you know, daunting uh, time to be a leader. Yeah. And so, Katie, how are you encouraging? You talked about females and minority leaders. There's the, the opportunities are there. How do you encourage them in those head scratching moments? I think one of the most important things, if you find yourself as a leader that is a minority status of any kind, or maybe you're in a new job or a new industry or a new organization, is just to recognize there's a cost to being new, that it's okay to be uncertain. It's okay to not know how it works. It's okay to feel like you're a little on the outside looking in. Almost everyone feels that way anyway. And in today's landscape, I mean, everyone's a little uncertain. And so yeah. I would say even our teammates are not operating at their best. And not, you know, most people don't feel like they have a, I don't know, like an extra capacity to be generous or to mm. go out of their way to help other people. And so, um, so I think all of those dynamics, I think are important to acknowledge because they too take an emotional toll on us. And I think especially female leaders, when we don't acknowledge the toll it is to be mm. the first female or one of only, uh, one of the only females, or perhaps I'm in a new job or a new organization, we can kind of compare ourselves to people who have been doing this a while or sort of, mm. you know, swimming with the, with the stream. We're kind of going up upstream. And if you're in a culture where everyone else is flowing with the stream, it can make it look like, man, this is so easy for everyone else. Why is it so hard for me? And we start to question ourselves. But when mm. we really take an honest look at it, it's like, well, my job also has these 17 other dynamics. And so if I compare that, I'm actually doing a pretty good job at this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so comparing apples to apples is a really important skill set. Sometimes you need some outside perspective to be able to look at that accurately. Um, that's an important piece. I think also just, I really want to encourage people to stay in the game. Mm. Uh, please don't quit. If you're questioning yourself, if you feel like you're not doing a good job, if you're wondering, am I making a difference? If you're listening to that lie that says there's probably someone else better equipped or the organization or your church would be better off with someone else doing that job. I just say, don't listen to that. Stay in the game, stay in the job till God moves you out. And, uh, or your leaders tell you you're not doing a good job because they will tell you promise. I yeah. promise you, if you are not doing a good job, they will not let you stay in that role forever. They will tell you, but if you take yourself out, you're really mm. limiting what God wants to do in you and through you in this moment. And, yeah. and that's probably the biggest risk I see it, particularly for female leaders. Yeah. And so you, you mentioned there about the emotional health and mental health. Um, any other ways you're encouraging all leaders and specific, maybe specifically female leaders when it comes to that emotional mental health is that, you know, I, sorry, I'm going back on my question, but I, when I got into what I missions, emotional and mental health, we just didn't talk about it. And if you said, Hey, I would like to, I would like some help. I would like a coach. I would like a counselor. It was, you know, it wasn't look highly looked upon. Um, do you feel like the tide has changed and there, is there any, is there any um, other pressures on maybe female leaders if they would ask for uh, counseling or coaching 
yeah, is that uh, that's a lot of question in one. Emotional health, mental health, any wisdom and insight is as we are today. Well, I think one of the best kept secrets is high capacity leaders have always been using therapists and coaches for decades and their organizations have been paying for it and it's been worth the investment. Uh, I would say that stress level that used to be reserved for kind of CEOs or senior pastors of very large organizations has definitely trickled down into Hmm. the majority of the population. And so we need support when, when the demands are overwhelming, when they're beyond human expectations when we're navigating multiple environments at one time and multiple emotional environments at one time, we do have to have help and support. And so I do believe the conversation has changed significantly. I would say we're about 50-50 on the budgets changing significantly for that. That's Um, a good point. And the more uh, you have a minority status, the less likely you are to get support from your organization to pay for those things. Uh, Mm. But I try to advocate a lot for all leaders to at least have coaching through their organization because that is what brings out higher levels of productivity. Uh, It decreases attrition rates. It uh, helps uh, create more environments that are healthier. The culture gets healthier. Camaraderie gets better. Teamwork gets more productive. Um, Counseling tends to be in ministry circles. We tend to support counseling a lot more than maybe marketplace um, organizations. Knowing which one you need is kind of helpful. Uh, I would say the rule of them. I used to be a mental health nurse, so I care deeply about the role of therapy. I also coach a lot of people. I care deeply about the role of coaching. They tend to be different. Okay. Uh, therapy tends to look backwards and mm-hmm. try to connect the dots as to why you have emotions that aren't matching the situation. Okay. So if you're in a meeting and uh, this is where we get kind of the terminology about like an emotional trigger, you're okay. in a meeting, something's t- you know being discussed, you can feel your body like getting animated and you're like, why am I getting upset about this? Or someone says something and it sets you off and man, that just, but no one else seems to be bothered by it, right? My emotions and my reaction does not match everybody else. And I don't know why, Hmm. if I know why that's a different kind of conversation, but if I'm still kind of stuck, I'm like, I can't put the pieces together. I don't know what it is. And therefore I, I really am not in control and I can't, I can't uh, manage those things. Uh, that's a great place to go to therapy and start to uncover those family of origin pieces. I think even our church of origin can have some impact mm. on our leadership spaces. And chances are those situations are showing up in a lot of areas in my life. I'm not only okay. getting triggered at work, I'm getting triggered with my kids and with my husband and with my mother-in-law and the neighbor walking the dog in an irritating <laughs> way. You know, I And so there's a transformation that needs to happen in me. Counselors yeah. are incredibly helpful for that. I think if you're having any sort of depression or anxiety that's ongoing, um, seeking even more advanced mental health is really critical. And the earlier, the better. Yeah, You can't go wrong going too early. All it does is prevent pain and suffering later. So all of that is very helpful. Coaching tends to be much more forward looking. So okay. if there's a goal I have coming up and I'm not sure how I'm going to achieve it, or there's, I've been trying to get better or to get promoted, or I want to, uh, I don't know what my future holds, or I desire something in my future and I can't see the pathway. That tends to be when a coach really comes into play because it's Mm. about forward motion. It's about gaining skill sets and insights. Sometimes the most common action step I have coming out of a coaching session or a life plan session is to go to therapy because we discover, oh, one of the things that's holding me back from really reaching my goal or really fulfilling 
fulfilling the mission I believe God's called me to is I have, I'm stuck on this one topic, but I also have these three other things. I need to go back to school or I need to ask for more opportunities at work, or I need to get better home life balance. There's a lot of things that I need in order to move forward. So both of those are important. Both of those are really great uh, investments to make either in yourself and more importantly, to make in your team. So if you have budget, developmental budget, conference budget, there's so many better ways sometimes to spend our money than to go to the conference we've been going to every year for 20 years that is online for $45 (laughs) anyway afterwards. Is it better maybe to take that conference money and that travel money? Now, sometimes those things are great. And if you've got a community and you're networking and you're getting something you can't get, but if all you're doing is showing up and sitting and taking notes and leaving and not talking to anybody, you could do that a lot cheaper online. It's all the content's probably already online anyway. Those people say, give the same talks everywhere they go. Um, and instead take that money and do something different this year, or maybe as yeah. you're planning your budget right now, do something different for this next budget year where you can go to your conference in two years, but this year I'm going to try something that helps mm. me go backwards and helps me go forward, yeah. uh, at the same time. That's really, uh, that's really a strategic way to use our dollars. Uh, good word and uh, very insightful. So men, men, so you were, you worked in mental health before the leadership space, huh? Yeah, I was a nurse for eight years and I worked in an inpatient psychiatric unit for two years. And then I worked at a university, uh, a Christian college. I ran the health center, but we started a counseling center and a whole bunch of, you know, on campus mental health programs. This was, you know, 25 years ago. So it was a little, it was in the early days of that. But those two worlds, honestly, working in an inpatient psych unit is way more equipping for ministry than anything else I think I ever could have done. So it has been incredibly helpful. (laughs) You know, my, anyway. I my I won't take a long time on this, but when my I went through nursing school, I went to they took us to this psych ward. I think I was traumatized because I thought, man, I could never do this. And um, I ended up, you know, I was 19. I, well, I was 18, actually. It was straight out of high school. I went to associate's degree mm-hmm. program and um, they put me in a room with three guys that two murderers and one serial rapist. And I was supposed to spend the week with them and help them process. And I'm thinking I'm 18 years old and what in the world? And it was, I I never wanted to go back. It was a, it was a lot. So a lot of respect for you. All that story to say a lot of respect for you. So (laughs) thank you. Lifting lids. Um, You see, you share that you help lift lids. What is a lid? And then how do we know that maybe we're in a place that we're hitting a lid? How can we recognize that? And then what are maybe some steps that we can do to to walk, um, to grow? Mm, yeah, great question. So I love that phrase lifting lids because I, we all have lids in our life in a variety of different topics and at a variety of different seasons and times. And I would say a lid is any time you find yourself bumping up against something. You're like, I'm trying to grow in this area or I even feel like God's inviting me into something or my family needs something from me or my job is calling on me and I just can't quite get there. I'm mm. bumping up against something. It's different than growth. Growth is normal and natural. We all all are growing. We okay. all are learning. Um, it's it's completely normal to be in leadership and not know what you're doing. What's not normal is to not be able to figure it out eventually. And that's where okay. there's probably a lid. And so part of why we have to know that it's normal and human to have this, we're in a broken world. There's going to be some things that come really easy to me and I can, you know, learn it really quickly. Or I watch a couple of YouTube videos and I'm like, good to go. Or someone, you know, I have a conversation or read a few books. Yeah. Like I can learn how to do this skill. I can break through. I get 
get my, you know, I get an idea or something, God, you know, drops something into me that I'm like, this is how we want to do this. And then there are other things where, man, I just kind of keep coming back to it. I read the book, but it doesn't create any change. Or I have the Mm. conversations or I've sought a mentor or I'm doing all the things that I do in these in some of these areas that I have breakthrough, but I'm stuck in these areas. I'm bumping up against a lid. And so Mm. there's a whole bunch of different reasons why we might have a lid. It might be some of the things we were kind of talking about. It could be something from my past that's keeping me blocked. Could be something that I, I have a mental limit on the way I'm thinking about things for the future. This happens quite a bit when you grow up in a certain kind of environment, but you find yourself leading or working or living in a new kind of environment. So I see this a lot in female leaders. You know, I grew up in a conservative place where women didn't lead ever. They really, they it's not that they weren't allowed to talk out loud. They just weren't encouraged to. I never saw any women do it. And so it's pretty easy from my perspective to draw the line with, gosh, I'm sitting now at you know, a director's table over a ministry and it's hard for me to speak up. I am not sure like when to talk and when to not talk. I'm afraid of being overbearing or I start talking and no one knows what I'm saying, or I just feel like I don't have a voice. Well, that's to me, that's not a very hard line to draw, but when you're stuck in that lid, sometimes it's impossible to see. And so um, that's why it's helpful to have outside voices, coaches and consultants or um, friends that can really help kind of like connect those dots and be like, this is the lid. And then what do we need to do to kind of lift that lid? Usually it's skill-based. I got to practice. I got to like go to a restaurant and return food that because tell them I didn't like it and just get used to exercising my voice in ways that feel uncomfortable, that are a little countercultural to at least the way I was brought up, that make me feel like I'm being an imposition or even needy. Um, Those are all things that help grow your leadership voice so you can be the person God really made you to be. Yeah. I appreciate that. Very, very insightful. Very, very insightful. I was reading your book. I was flying back from Madagascar back actually here to Nairobi. And um, I was reading your book, Sticky Leadership. And um, it's something, it's an area that I've been processing myself. And it was very valuable um, what you shared about leading, delegating, micromanaging. How do how can we recognize when those when we're leading, managing, micromanaging? And how do we know if we're delegating or dumping? Is is that a fair question? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's a great question. Uh, Yeah, that's a really simple, quick read book that I made um, several years ago because I was trying to help leaders who were stepping into new levels of leadership and were kind of hitting a lid in terms of delegating. Like, I, you know, I have this team or I've got volunteers working for me, but at the end of the day, it's just easier to do it myself or uh, I don't know how to delegate well. I give it to people and I trust them, but then they don't follow through. And it's a really normal, natural part of leadership. It stays with you your whole life, but we do get better at it. We learn, you know, how to set people up for accountability. We learn who we can trust, who we can't. How do you manage both sides of that? And one of the big issues is where do I draw the line? And and part of what needs to shift in our mindset around this is moving from I'm the kind of leader who delegates or I'm the kind of leader who does and delegate or I'm a micromanager to what does the situation need? What does Hmm. the person actually need? Because some people kind of do need micromanaging. If you have a brand new person on the team who has never done this job before and doesn't know how to, you know, use the email system, what you do for that person looks like micromanaging to someone else who knows and has been around for five years, right? So I adjust my leadership to the needs of the person. Where we fall into trouble is when we stop assessing the person and we just do what we want to do. We do what's Hmm. easiest for us, what we think is fastest, what we think is best. And instead of treating one person with a little extra 
uh, intentionality and one person giving them a lot of trust and a lot of space, we just go around like, I delegate these things. I don't delegate those things, or this is how I like to run my ship. So that's the first step is to really have the heart of a servant leader. I'm here to serve the person so they can be the most successful that they can be. Uh, The second is to watch the feedback from the people you're leading. Are Mm. they welcoming of it? And sometimes this is hard in Christian cultures, especially if you come from a high honor place where people are like, thank you so much for helping. And they got a big smile on their face, but inside they're like, why are you here? Don't you trust me? You know, (laughs) what they do on the outside isn't matching what they're feeling on the inside. So you can't always trust it, but you can trust the uh output uh hmm. is when i get involved do things go faster and better and are is the team feeling like it's a win or when i get involved does the team get frustrated and they give up and disengage or hmm. the productivity goes down and and a lot of times it's not even what the quality or timeliness of the product and when i say product like the project or whatever it is sure. we're trying to figure out like the whatever the productivity is going to result in um it's not always what is best and fastest, which is sometimes how leaders measure things. It's what creates the most engagement. Did people get better at their job through this process? Are we more likely to be able to do this again with fewer resources? Uh, you know, every time I as a leader get involved, it's costing us money. If you take your salary or just the time you have available to your organization and you divide it out, every time you involve yourself in someone else's work, you are costing that much dollar an hour to you're adding it to the budget. You're not free. And so, um, am I actually getting a better ROI for my salary by being involved? Sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes the answer is no. And then sometimes Mm. you might look at a situation. You're like, I'm not involved in that at all. And they, and they actually could use your help. They could use more vision. Mm. They could use more direction. They could use clarity. They need more accountability. You have people who are great performers, but at the end of the day, you know, they drift off at about 90%. They get bored. And they need a leader to drive them to full 100%. Again, servant-hearted leadership to give your team what they need to bring out their best in a way that's the most efficient and the most cost-effective. I'm a drifter. I'm a drifter at about 95, 96%. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, I've seen it throughout my life. You know I mean? It's, yeah. I get something about 95, 96% and then I'm ready to, I'm ready to move on to the next. So I do, I need those. I need somebody in my life to, Hey, let's, let's get this over the, over the bridge um, before I mentally, it's very mentally common, check out. Very common in leadership gifts. Cause we are leaders tend to be future oriented people. So we're thinking ahead and at about 95%, we're like, well, I'm ready for two weeks from now. This will be done yeah. in two weeks. If we finish it, that, sometimes we never finish it though. So six months later, you're like, why is this still here? Yeah, it's because we well, moved on too fast. And yeah, very Education. Common. I think that's one thing that when going through your education, it, it forces you to get over the hurdle. But even that, you know, I mentally would check out um, in projects that we were doing in school because I was looking forward to the next one. And, um, yes. but that's, that's something I, I appreciate with people to hold me accountable, hold me accountable for that. So yeah. Um, one of the other things you talk about is, is leadership about knocking down barriers and how do we differentiate, Hey, is, is a leader, I'm, I'm knocking down barriers so the job can get done or I'm over actually overstepping and doing the work myself. Mm-hmm. Is it, could you help us navigate that? Sure. I, um, in the book, I talk about the four real aspects of, of servant leadership is this idea of going ahead of people, knocking down barriers, coming behind them and motivating them 
sort of um, filtering on top information that comes down to make sure the right information comes down and leave out the wrong information and then uh, supporting them along the way and, you know, human, human relational kinds of ways. Right. Uh, so that knocking down barriers is really about as the leader, you know more and can see further ahead hmm. than the people on your team. And even if you uh, aren't maybe a super strong visionary or you don't, you know, you don't sit at the top of the organization, I promise you as a leader, you know more and see more, even if you don't feel like it. Yeah. And so it is actually much better use of your time rather than being involved in the work you've delegated to them to let them handle their own job. And you spend time looking ahead, even if it's just looking ahead on the calendar, what's hmm. coming up over the next month? Uh, what's coming up in the next six months that I can actually give people a heads up on? And honestly, Aaron, sometimes it's very simple. If you're in ministry, especially church ministry, sometimes in September, we need to look at people and say, hey, so just as a reminder, in four months, Christmas is coming up. Yeah, It's probably about time that we start thinking about what we want to do for Christmas parties or Christmas Eve services, or if there's anything in our ministry that we want to do around that. And and it's it's shocking sometimes to look around the team and they all go, oh, I guess that is coming up, Christmas, yeah. which happens every year, it does. but they're not thinking ahead like you are as the leader. And so you bring a lot of great leadership by going ahead and then knocking down barriers. Like that's the barrier of awareness. Like just mm. knowing that these things are coming and I need to have them on my radar. It might be that you're like, gosh, Christmas is coming ahead in four or five months. I should probably make sure we have enough budget to have the Christmas party for the staff yeah. or to do the Christmas outreach ministry, or how are we going to raise funds to be able to do that? Or do I need to reserve a room to be able to do the toy drive or whatever it is that we're going to do? Am I Am I ahead enough to be able to knock down barriers so that when my team goes to set something up, they aren't spinning their wheels trying to find a place because mm -hmm. I didn't think ahead enough to reserve it? Um, are there uh, are there visionary things that they need to know that this year actually the budget is cut? Yeah. And so the way we've done the Christmas thing for the last five years is going to have to look different this year. I, I know that because I'm in meetings. I've been listening about the budget. I should not be surprised to find out we have less budget because I'm thinking ahead and I'm sitting in those you know updates and I can help the team really begin to talk about that proactively. So those are all the ways that you spend your time as the leader thinking ahead and then knocking down barriers that would prevent your team from being successful in the job you've given to them. Uh, good. I appreciate it. Very, very insightful. Very, very insightful. The other thing I was looking at on my flight was I downloaded, um, I got on your website and then it, it signed up and got the uh, assertive, assertiveness check uh, cheat sheet. Yes. That was, I spent uh, a good bit of, well, a lot of minutes on that flight, uh, thinking about that, reading over that. Um, can you just describe it? Because obviously this is audio podcast and then... Um, and uh, and then we'll put a link in for those that would like to uh, they can they can sign up for it and get it also. Um, how, what how did you develop that? What what the need was there? And then maybe just kind of walk us through a little bit of it. Sure. Well, uh, I did write a book called Developing Female Leaders that I wrote for male leaders, uh, particularly from faith backgrounds who may not know how to really develop female leaders or bring the best out of them in their team. Um, and so we have a lot of history with those things. You can read more about yeah. that. And we had a lot of great response to that book. And then uh, a lot of women got promoted and got put into places of leadership. And as I was working with them uh, as a coach to kind of help them take those next steps or help the organization become more oriented towards a female-friendly environment, 
these women were having some trouble kind of finding their leadership voice, basically, is how I would say it now. Uh, I mentioned earlier kind of this idea of being in a meeting, like, do I speak up? Do I not speak yeah. up? Should I should I make a decision on that? Do I need permission? Just not quite knowing where the boundaries were and questioning themselves a lot, like spending a lot of energy and time and emotional uh, effort trying to kind of navigate this internal questioning of themselves. And when it really came down to it, um, most of them were struggling and had not really had an opportunity to learn what I would call assertiveness skills. Hmm. And part of uh, part of that is because some of the sort of gender profiles we have for women, which they tend to fall into two categories. I'm either super passive or I'm super aggressive. And hmm. neither one of those are really godly characteristics. Okay. Uh, neither one of them make for great leaders. Uh, both of them create fear for people. Uh, but I would say uh, most women have grown up in areas where if you had to pick one, you would it would be more, quote, godly to be on the passive side. But when you're put into leadership, passivity will actually kill your leadership. And mm. so these women who had sort of been honored and appreciated for being passive and submissive and being willing to do anything for the team and help out wherever asked were suddenly in a leadership position where they needed a stronger voice and they needed to say no to things and they needed okay. to hold people accountable and people were actually going to be unhappy with them. And they had so much on their plate, they needed to to not take advantage of every opportunity and not say yes to everything. There was a lot of internal angst about that. And so what I wanted to do is cast a vision for what I think of as healthy, godly, Jesus-type assertiveness, which is really the best of passivity, this idea of being a team player, honoring other people, serving, putting other people's needs ahead of your own, and the best of aggressiveness, which is being bold, being truthful, uh, mm -hmm. not backing down out of fear, uh, speaking truth as it is, being very candid. Jesus does both of those things. Sometimes he's quiet and doesn't rock the boat. Sometimes he goes in and turns over the tables and is very angry and upset. And we want to take uh, both of those characteristics, the good parts, not the sinful parts that gets yeah. you in trouble, but the good qualities of both of those, put those together in a healthy middle where assertiveness lies. And so that cheat sheet is like, which one are you? Do you tend to be someone who falls in your gifted and personality more towards a passive person, more towards an aggressive person? Are you someone who doesn't know who you are and you vacillate between the two, right? Your team is like, which one is she today? Is she going to be like super nice and go along with anything or is she going to bite my head off? Yeah. Uh, that's kind of that passive aggressive. No one never knows what to expect. And how do I move myself more towards the middle? How do I find a leadership voice that's respectful of others and respectful to myself, where mm. I'm looking for the win-win in the situation? God isn't looking for win-lose. He's looking for the thing that works for you and the thing that works for me. Those are often the miracles of unity, right? Where we both walk away. We probably had to give up a little, but we both walked away feeling like we're coming out with what we need in the situation. Yeah. It's a win-win. Um, how am I really honest and candid and clear, but at the same time, honoring to who you are as a person, honoring the role you are, and also honoring myself and honoring mm -hmm. the role and the authority I've been given. It's a, it's a nuanced dance. And for many people, uh, we are not good at this. Yeah. Uh, conflict is difficult for everyone. 
But if you are a female leader or you've grown up in a space or a family where you weren't allowed to talk or talk back, it overly hierarchical, overly controlling, and you you haven't found your voice, the cheat sheet is a really good way to start. And then my book, uh, Find Your Leadership Voice in 90 Days, is really uh, a process of trying to walk people through how to yeah. find that, how to practice it. What does a godly, assertive voice look like compared to something aggressive or something passive? And how do I start practicing that in submission to the Holy Spirit more and more and more in my daily practice. Yeah. It was very valuable. Honestly, uh, I'm obviously not a female, um, but it was very valuable for me just to, to read it and understand. So I think it's applicable to anyone that would want to, and it was, it is, uh, it's also helped. It was helpful me in many ways. And so I, I wanted to highlight that it's something I have downloaded now and something I have put a lot of thought over um, me. I think in my faith background and probably family of origin, you just, it was just easier to go with the flow and probably lean towards the passivity and kind of hoping it would all work out in the end and, um, and trying to find that balance. And, you know, we got into this missions thing when we were young and uh, sometimes when you're young, it's just better. It was, you know, keep your mouth shut. And so, but learning to find your voice. And so I think a lot of them, a lot of the principles in that were, applicable even to me as a guy so even oh, a guy yeah. for uh, even a guy from wally ford west virginia so it was uh, <laughs> it was good stuff so yeah one of the other questions i wanted to ask you about was for for male leaders or men that are listening into this how can they how can they we kind of back to that knocking down barriers how can they knock down barriers and it not come off as they're trying to control female leaders or they're knocking down barriers because they think that the female leaders can't do that does that make sense? So that their intentions yeah. are are pure. Um, but even sometimes, you know, I think even if your intentions are pure, how people receive you and the impact it makes on them, that's that's kind of what you got. And so you can go in with the greatest intention, but if somebody receives it as, hey, you didn't think I could do that, or hey, you're trying to control me by doing this, does that make any sense at all? Oh, absolutely. Well, I think the first thing to remember, particularly around um, male leaders trying to help support and open doors for female leaders is this is messy. And mm. it there isn't a really clear script to this. A lot of it changes with the people involved and the okay. dynamics and the journey of the female leader. You know, you could do okay. one action for one female leader and she is just like, I cannot believe you would do such yeah. a gracious, generous thing. You can do the exact same thing for another person. And she might be like, why are you trying to control me? And I don't yeah. need a man to blah, blah, blah. Right. So, so first of all, just give yourself a lot of freedom to okay. have good intentions, to try to become better at it, be more educated. Um, but just also hold open-handedly, you know, sometimes our best, most generous efforts aren't acknowledged or received or may not even be understood for what it is in the moment. Okay. And that is part of what it means to have authority. That's part hmm. of what it means to uh, be a leader and to see more. Think of it as a parent. There are a lot of things we do for our kids that they love. And there are a lot of things we do for our kids that they are irritated by. And at 35, yeah. they come back and say, oh, by the way, I get yeah. it now. <laughs> right. So having a bit of perspective, but also a humble posture uh, to stay someone who is learning and open so that if someone yeah. is offended, you find out why it could be that it was the way you phrased it. It could be that it hmm. was the timing of it. It could be 
that you flaunted it in front of her when it hmm. was something that really she didn't even need to know about. It hmm. could be that you didn't tell her at all. And it was something hmm. that you kept secret that she actually could have used that information. So hmm. learn as you go how to lead people. You know, yeah. we're all on a quest to learn this. No one figures this out fully. Hmm. Uh, we just hopefully get better and better at it. Yeah. Uh, but with that said, I do think there are a couple uh, key sort of um pieces of information to keep in mind, kind of guardrails to okay. make sure you're not enabling or being condescending or yeah. preventing the development of a female leader in your efforts to support her and knock down barriers and open doors for her. So one of the first questions would be, is this something she should be doing for herself? Okay. So um, again, the parenting model like, works for all sorts of leadership. It definitely works in this one. Uh, the, my only hesitation is it makes it feel like women are little kids and men are big grownups. So that's the only thing that falls apart with this metaphor, but it's the one that's the most universal. Uh, but there are, you know, as my uh, son has grown there, when he was younger, there were things I did for him because he couldn't mm. do it for himself. But as he got older, there were things that actually, if I did it for him, that was enabling him to stay 12 when now okay. he's 17, right? Yeah. I should not be doing his laundry anymore. I should yeah. not be cooking every meal for him. I should not be following up on his homework. Those yeah. are things if he doesn't actually learn how to do it and go through the process of failing, paying a penalty and learning, he's going to be in college like he is now and not know how to do that. And then what am I going to like manage him through text messages and like put yeah. a nanny cam in his dorm room? Like, the keep the big picture in mind and measure it against other leaders. If if this were a guy who had been in ministry this long, had this kind of authority, this kind of title, this kind of pay, would you be expecting them to be able to handle this conflict on their own? If yeah. the answer is yes, then you better let her handle it on her own. Now you can come up and say, hey, I know you've got this thing. Is there anything I can do to support you? Yeah. Would you, you know, you want to talk about it? You want to practice yeah. on me? Do you want any advice or have you got it? You yeah. know, let me know how it goes afterwards. Uh, so you can be like that. Um, but so making sure you're treating them equal to their peers and, mm. but offering support and part of growing up, like I, my son's in college, he just texted me this morning and said, I'm behind on an assignment, blah, blah, blah. And so, but he's asking me for help. That's yeah. different than me calling him and like, did you get that assignment done? Sure. So part of growing and learning is knowing how to ask for help. If hmm. she's not asking for help, then there probably isn't much help for you to give. You can hmm. offer, hey, if you need any help with anything, let me know. Or yeah. if you want me to be a sounding board, or I say to my son all the time, I'm here for you. You've got this. But if there's something I can do to help, just tell me I will do anything for you. But wow. you have to know what you need and you have to ask for what you need, which is yeah. what having an assertive voice is, right? Knowing yeah. what you need and asking for what you need. Yeah. So uh, make sure you're not uh, overreaching and doing too much or too little offering help. Um, I would say the second thing is, uh, are you doing things uh, in spaces and rooms that she does not have access to? So mm. you're in leadership meetings that she's not sitting in. You can advocate for her. You can ask for things for her department. You can throw her name in a hat to be on a project or an assignment or for a promotion. She doesn't have access to that meeting. So that would be an example of where she can't do that for herself. That yeah. is 
actually what your job as a leader is to do is to do things for people that they can't do for themselves. So Hmm. the first thing is to make sure you're not doing something she can do for herself. The second thing is to make sure you're doing the things she can't do for herself. And you know what those are. You can call a friend and get a meeting for her that might take her six months through the assistant to try and get that is a door worth opening. Now that, you know, that might be one of the things like, Hey, I'm going to go ahead and call them and make sure you get on their calendar this week because of the deadline you have. Or she might say, let me take a whack at it first. Let me see if I can find my way. And if I can't, I'll come back. So it's okay to talk about how you're supporting and helping and being open. Um, The one caveat is women, especially high capacity female leaders do tend to isolate and take on more by themselves than they need to. And so as you talk about helping them, one of the things I found really helpful is to say things like, it's totally normal for me to make a phone call to get someone on a schedule ahead of time. I would normally do this for everyone else on the team, but I know you're trying to build a relationship with that department. So I didn't want to do it automatically. Would you like me to make the call like I do for every other person? Or would you like to try and take a whack at it yourself? That gives her an orientation that says, this is a normal leadership behavior for my boss to open a door for me. It's not because I'm needy. It's not because I'm inept. It's not because he feels bad for me. That's a normal practice. And now she gets to decide what she wants to do. And if she wants to take advantage of it or not. And so just keeping an eye out for that perfectionism and that solo lone ranger tendency of female leaders and correcting it through comparison, through information, not through Hmm. correction, not through you've done something wrong or you you're prideful and you don't want help. Like that's not actually what's going on. She's trying not to be high maintenance. That's like a female leader's greatest fear. So you just have to explain to her. Everybody gets help like this. This is a normal thing. And so that's why I'm going to do this for you. Good. Normalizing it for sure. Yep. That's a, a, a key point. Uh, you know, you're talking back to the laundry thing. I remember my first time I did my nursing, white nursing uniforms working at Lakeland Regional Medical Center. I moved to go to Southeastern and I put them in the dryer with red gum. And so my uh, white <laughs> uniforms were now white with red spots all over them. So it was a lesson I learned um, the hard way on doing laundry and not having oh, red gum in your pocket. Aaron, so. you got the double whammy, red and gum, like Oof, a two-part mess. It smelled good. They all smelled like cinnamon, um, but they uh, they were not professional. So I had to get rid of them. It was expensive. But um, anyway, letting people grow and learn lessons the hard way. That's that's one I learned. Last question for you. You talked a little bit in there about filtering and w- sharing information and how we can know what to share, not oversharing, and then not undersharing and withholding information. Any guidance for us when it comes to how we filter as leaders, what we share and what we don't share and um, navigate that. Yes, I think the basic rule of thumb is healthy, godly leaders share all the positive information Mm. and they share very little negative, critical information. So when, when I see an unhealthy leader or an insecure leader, what they usually do is if their boss or their boss's boss or someone from the outside gives them a compliment, they hold it for themselves and never tell the team. But if their boss or someone else has a critique of the performance of the team, that comes up in the next staff meeting and they spend 15 minutes dissecting it. Hmm. Godly, healthy leaders do the opposite. Hmm. 
Hmm. They they take the compliment and they bring it to the team and they're like, guys, this person said this about our team or about yeah. you all. And let's talk about why did they feel that? Why did they experience that? How can are we doing that consistently for everybody? How can we have that kind of win hmm. everywhere we go? And then they listen to the critique, but they filter it as a leader and they bring it up at the appropriate time. I'm not saying we don't act on critiques or a miss by our team. I'm saying we we filter it, we reinterpret it to be the yeah. most productive. So if, um, I don't know, if I'm producing a big event, a big ministry event or a weekend service or something, and I'm getting negative feedback from people, but I know on Monday morning, we have a debrief where we go through all the nuts and bolts of the weekend and assess it. I'm not going to send a text message out that says so-and-so showed up and they think this was terrible. Like, yeah. And I'm not even going to vent and tell it to someone else and use them to relieve my internal hmm. stress and angst about that. Hmm. I'm going to hold that as the leader. Now I, I need to have healthy personal practices of how I hold anxiety. Like right. what do I need to do to process that in a healthy way? So I don't like go to bed with a stomach ache, right. but I'm going to hold that information until the meeting when everyone's ready to talk about critiques. And I'm going to talk yeah. about it un, without being emotionally inflamed, without pointing fingers and casting blame, but in a productive team oriented hmm. place. But man, if I get a compliment on Sunday afternoon, I'm sending a group text. It was like, great job today, guys. Listen to this, you know, thing yeah. someone just told me on their way out to their car. Well yeah. done. See you tomorrow at the debrief, right? Mm. The right place and the right time matters. And most of that is dependent on how I'm internally processing my own leadership, how I feel like I look in front of other people, um, my own anxiety uh, or uh, pride in compliments or critiques. That's yeah. the self-work of leadership. Haiti, it is always a joy to spend time with you. And I, I only, when I only cover about half the questions I have for you on these podcasts, but it's an honor. And um, I would, would you pray for us? Will you pray that the the wisdom and insight that you shared today that it will, it will help us grow and um, we'll put it into action. This is um, content packed interview, and um, just really appreciate you. Will you pray for us? Awesome, thank you, Aaron. Thanks so much for having me back on. Uh, yes, I would love to. Uh, Father God, thank you so much for just this opportunity to be alive in today's day and age. It can be uh, daunting and overwhelming and uncertain for sure. But Lord, you chose us to be leaders uh, today for this context. You looked into the future and you said, these are the people I call for these moments. And so God, we know that when you call us, you also equip us. And so would you take what we've talked about today? Would you take the information that all of us are learning, the things you're teaching us? Would you cement the in our heart? God, uh, transform us, not just in how we lead God, but who we are as your servants, who we are as people called the lead in your kingdom. Would you help us to be the kind of work you do from the inside out? Lord, we're asking you to reveal those areas in our own hearts where we're operating out of insecurity, or we're operating out of pride, or we're operating out of fear or anxiety. God, we're asking you to send your Holy Spirit and to heal those places that we might operate out of wholeness, out of integrity, out of uh, love and joy overflowing from you, but God, also out of strength, out of conviction based on truth. Help us to know the leadership voice you've given us and use it in a powerful way under submission to your Holy Spirit. Uh, that we might see the good works that you have produced in advance for us to do. Help us to be faithful and obedient in those. And we thank you so much. Thank you for Aaron and his leadership and his passion for the kingdom and for the people that he works with. Thank you for those who are listening today. Would you encourage them? Would you uh, comfort them? Would you bring healing to them? Uh, would you uh, give
give them strength to answer the call that you placed on their life. Would you make them fruitful in your kingdom? It's in Jesus' name that we pray.